0: Two weeks ago, I concluded my New Year's Eve show by reading the summation of a report on the environmental disaster rolling out these days before our eyes. The most foreboding fact about it was that it had been researched and prepared by an Australian group months before the current conflagration that is now burning large parts of Australia to the ground. A sharp listener contacted me after that show and reminded me that an nde I had interviewed back in August of 2014... Erica McKenzie, registered nurse, had foreseen the earth in flames, and those flames had begun in the southern hemisphere. Does Erica's vision, as reported five years ago, refer to the inferno now engulfing a large part of Australia? Today's show is a replay of Erica's description of her NDE. Now, this interview with Erica McKenzie first aired on NDE Radio on August 4th of 2014. For the 2014 show, Erica described herself as an inspirational speaker, messenger, advocate, researcher, and author, and a member of the National League for Nursing, American Nurses Association, the National Hospice and Palliative Organization, the American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine, and IONS. As an nde she expressed her determination to continue her research in collaboration with other experts in the areas of NDEs. After death communications, medical health and wellness, self-esteem issues and hospice, along with human and animal rights issues. We offer Erica's interview today as a possible prophetic vision of the enormous fires now raging across Australia. Please listen and decide for yourself. Erica, welcome to NDE radio.
1: Thank you so much, Lee, for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Well, it's great to have the chance to talk to you. And, Erica, perhaps we could begin with your telling some of the details of your own near-death experience.
1: Yes, absolutely. I had a near-death experience 11 years ago. And the reason why I had the near-death experience was I was taking a Class 4 narcotic, a diet pill called centenermine at the time. And it was designed to be taken for only three months. I took it for nine years Lee. It did so much damage. Yeah, it was unbelievable, the amount of damage that it ended up doing to my heart and my lungs. And I got to the point that I was losing my breath constantly. I wasn't able to breathe. I wasn't able to get air into my lungs anymore because my lungs, they felt like they weren't able to open like I needed them to. Mm -hmm. And I could feel my heart beating slower and slower, but it was pumping and working so much harder just to just to sustain me. And I started to have to do things like jumping up and down so frequently just to force air into my lungs. And I taught myself to do this many times. But this particular day, it was different. And as I took my last breath, I collapsed to the floor. I was unconscious, and that's when I left my body. And I remember starting to float up to the ceiling, and I glanced down one more time looking at my physical body, and I watched the paramedics as they were trying to help me. Knowing that was me and at the same time I was floating up on the ceiling, I understood that that was the real me. I knew I was a spiritual being and I was watching all of these life-saving events unfold and that's when I chose to let go. And as soon as I chose to let go, that's when I was embraced by this incredible light and this magnificent tunnel and it propelled me with the greatest force and I never felt any pain. The love that I experienced in this tunnel was absolutely fantastic, and when I reached the end of the tunnel, I was literally delivered into the hands of God. And God and I stood together, and God was on my right, and heaven was behind us, and we were looking out in front of us at the galaxy and the stars, and I heard in my left ear a vintage-sounding movie projector, and it sounded like a movie was beginning. And I watched as the stars lined up like a movie theater, and the curtain became the stars, and they parted and opened slowly to the right. And it revealed a larger-than-life movie screen, and I heard the countdown of the numbers, three, two, one. And I saw the title in front of me, The Life Review of Erica McKenzie. And so there God and I were in a big movie theater in the galaxy, mm. and this is when my life review began. And I saw everything from the day I was born until that day that I died. And in this life review, I saw the things that were deemed important, significant to mankind. And when my life review came to an end, God and I began to communicate telepathically. I had been knowing that I needed to look down. And as I glanced down, there in front of me appeared a pair of eyeglasses. Now, Lee, you have to understand, I've never worn glasses in my entire life, but God told me to put these on. And I I didn't know how I was going to put these on because you have to understand, these weren't normal glasses. These were the size of a small vehicle. And Mm. as soon as I had the thought, how am I going to do this? It didn't matter because my hands were already drawing to them and putting them on my face. And by the time I got them to my face, It wasn't even a problem. They just fit perfectly. And then I heard God say, now look. And as soon as he said that, I could hear that sounding um, vintage projector in my left ear, and the curtain opened again, and on the movie screen appeared again the title, The Life Review of Erica McKenzie. And this is when my second life review began. And this time, I didn't see at all what I had seen the first time. This time, I saw all of the things that were important, significant to God. Following um, both of the life reviews, I kept waiting to be judged. I knew I was a sinner, everything I grew up believing and was taught you know throughout my childhood. I knew I'd made so many mistakes, and I knew I was imperfect. But the most amazing thing ended up happening. God didn't judge me. He loved me. And following all of those lessons that God shared with me, I was filled with the most unconditional love from Him. And so at this time, I was sure that I was going into heaven. But instead, God told me, look, and to my right appeared God's hand. And this was the only time throughout my entire experience in heaven that I was able to see God in any kind of uh, physical form. And his hand was the size of a semi-truck. And this Mm. is when the lesson of the rippling effect began. And as we finished the lesson of the rippling effect, another lesson began. And this was called the Gifts. And the lesson of the Gifts, God asked me this time to look. Once again to my right, the stars parted. And this time, behind the curtain, was the most brilliant, multidimensional shelves. And these shelves, they reached high into the stars until I could no longer see the top of them. And I looked in front of me past the farthest galaxy, and the shelves kept on going. And I turned to look behind me until I could see no further. The shelves kept on going. I was speechless. I couldn't believe these shelves. They were alive. And on the shelves appeared gifts, presents, like at Christmas There were so many gifts on all of the shelves. They filled each and every space that was available. But not one gift looked like the other. Not one was the same. And God said to me, Erica, when you were born, I give each and every one of you gifts. And when you were born, I gave you the gift of patience. And I gave gave you the gift of beauty. And I remember thinking, oh, no, no, God, that can't be right. I remember this kids in school, and I remember feeling like I was judged my entire life. If I were truly beautiful, I wouldn't have been judged. And the very event that I took in my life that led up to that day that I died happened because I truly felt I wasn't good enough. I felt I wasn't beautiful enough according to man's standards. But in that moment, God filled me with love and acceptance, and he so lovingly corrected me by saying, Erica. I gave you the gift of patience, and I gave you the gift of beauty. Mm -hmm. What I knew in that very moment, Lee, was that the gift of beauty came from within my heart. And that gift of beauty was from Him. And God said to me in life, I have more gifts for each and every one of you, and all you have to do is ask, and then be prepared to be quiet and listen be able to receive those gifts. You know, sometimes it's hard to see the gifts that we possess, and I, I thought of my gift of beauty, and I realized how impossible it was for me to see it in myself, because I looked to man for my value instead of God. It took mm-hmm. me dying, it took me dying to realize my uniqueness was actually my value, and my value was my contribution here on my earthly journey. And it is God's plan for us to use our uniqueness to come together and empower each other with our gifts. And that's how we are able you know, to go on and do great things. So I had so many lessons. And um, the last lesson right before I left heaven with God, I'd like to just um, briefly share with you, yeah. if that's okay. Of course. Um, and, oh, wonderful. And I, I call that lesson a new earth. Um, you know, and until this point, I had only felt the most overwhelming, unconditional love in the presence of God this entire time. Yet suddenly, at this time, I was overcome by something else. And it was an overwhelming sadness, and it was coming from God. And I just, I had to know why he was feeling so sad. And as soon as that thought entered my mind, God motioned towards the stars. And there in the distance, in front of me, appeared the earth. It was beautiful. And I thought about my family and my husband and my friends, and my classmates, my you know, my kids and I just they were still on earth. I instantly knew where they were. I knew they were safe and I knew they were happy and I knew exactly what they were doing. I was given the knowledge that one day we would all be together again and until then they'd be fine. In fact, we're always together. And there is there is a bridge and it exists between heaven and earth. It really does. And as I slowly watched the Earth spin in the distance, flames began to spread from the bottom of the Earth upward. Brilliant orange-yellow flames engulfed the entire planet, shooting into space, and I panicked. I thought, oh, my gosh, You know, my family's down there, my children are down there. And once again, right in front of me appeared those glasses. I turned away. I was so scared. The last time I put on the glasses, I could see what I wasn't able to see before. And I was terrified. I didn't want to look through the glasses, but I didn't have a choice. Um, the glasses were moving towards my face. And again, my hands automatically reached out and they guided me to put my glasses on, pulled them near. And once those glasses were on, reluctantly, I had to open my eyes and I was horrified. The earth, it wasn't, it was engulfed in flames and there was nothing I could do to stop it. And I heard God say, now look. But together, we both looked again, and this time I looked between the flames, and I could see these little streaks. They were gold, white, silver lights, and they were so powerful. They were lifting off the earth and flying over our heads into heaven, which was behind us. And I remember focusing my eyes on them, and all at once, I had this knowing that, oh my gosh, these were souls. They were people lifting off the earth. They were unharmed by the flames. And at first, there were hundreds hundreds, and thousands, and then thousands more joined in. And there was such strength and beauty and splendor in the light from each of these souls. And I recognized it, and it was the light, it was the rock that God had shown me during my lesson of the rippling effect. And I remembered his words, and he said, the light is of me, and I am with you. And I watched them as this light. It gave all of them power to lift off the earth and away from the flames. And it acted like, like a shield, a force field. It offered protection from the flames. And I said to God, look, God, it's okay. See, all the souls are safe. I can see them through the flames. They're coming into heaven. I was so happy that all, um, the souls were saved, but I could feel God's sadness and it remained. And I I didn't understand my feeling of joy, you know, and his of despair. Why? And I was thinking, God, why are you still so sad? And then he said to me, Erica, It's free will. And with the gift of life, I give you the gift of free will. And I didn't understand, why can't you save them? Don't don't you love them too? And he said to me, I love all of my children and that is why I let them choose to have that connection with me or not. And I remember thinking, connection? And then God said to me, love. Love is the connection that joins us together. And I finally understood why he was so sad, and how difficult it must be to love someone so much that you allow them to make their own choices, even if it causes them pain, you know, even if they were left behind. And I realized that this is what God was doing. I could feel how much it hurt him to watch those souls who chose not to have that connection with him of their own free will. And God told me there was going to be a new earth. And you know, we continued to watch as the last souls of the earth, they, they left. And I turned with God and we looked at heaven and I've never, I've never seen anything so magnificent in all of its glory. It was so big. It made the earth appear like a speck of dust in comparison. And I watched the souls descend into heaven, God's new earth and heaven, was a planet. And I knew that this this golden planet, it was exactly where I belonged. It was the place that was filled with love and peace and my heart. It longed to be. Where the unconditional love reigned in such it's such a magnificent place. And together God and I shared a lifetime of lessons. And on earth, you know, we measure everything by, by time. But in heaven, time as we know it on earth does not exist. And I knew I was staying in heaven. I never wanted to be parted from God again. I didn't even consider the possibility Lee, of going back at this point because I knew I knew if I returned, I'd have to face the hardest battle of all, which was learning to love myself like God loved me. And, you know, when I was standing in his presence, I felt this unconditional love. It was easy for me to love myself. And I remember thinking, why do I have to go and do it on earth when I was able to do it so easily here? But the point was, this time, when I would go back, I would be able to love myself the way God had intended was a missing link that I needed to be able to fulfill my, earth, fulfill my earthly mission. And, you know, I was filled with the peace and the knowledge at that time that, that God would never leave me, no matter what I experienced on earth. And He continuously reminded me how He was with me. You know, when I had listened um, to His voice throughout my life, in the moments before I had died, I had made the choice of faith and I trusted God His wisdom um, when I could have chosen man's voice. And then God said to me, it is time. I have two more gifts to give you. I am giving you the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. And God made it clear. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And that we're not to judge someone on someone else's journey. It's their journey. We're here to help each other on these journeys. And our experiences, you know, even the most painful are all for our spiritual growth. And it all finally made sense to me. It was, so, it was so simple. And I wonder why I didn't get it while I was on earth. But I was so glad that I was staying in heaven. And then God said again, You're not staying, child. I'm sending you back. Because your mission has just begun. You work for me now, remember? And Erica, when you go back, you must be quiet and listen to the people that I put into your life. And then, when you do, you will take patience, beauty, and now knowledge and wisdom. And when you speak, you will change millions of people's lives. And with that, he sent me back. And I felt myself drawn into a tunnel, you know, of total darkness this time, you know, very different um, than the one that I had been in going to heaven and I found myself descending back down to Earth, and, you know, um, at one point I came to a complete stop in the tunnel. I couldn't see anything. It was completely dark. I couldn't move my body. I knew I was somewhere uh, between heaven and Earth, and I felt so alone this time. And all of a sudden, I began to hear a buzzing noise. I focused all of my energy on that noise, and I realized suddenly, instantly where I was. I was at the edge of hell. And it was there that I spent another lifetime. And, you know, for me, I'm I'm a visual hands-on learner. And God sent me to the edge of hell. It wasn't to test me. But it was to help me understand the point he was trying to make. I had to feel it. I had to experience it. So that when I returned to earth, I would have the courage to convey the messages with conviction because I had lived it. You know, and God, he loves us unconditionally, but I have realized that it is our love connection with him that is most important. God can't do it for us. We can't do it for each other. We have to do it for ourselves. And he he wasn't punishing us. It was it's free will. And I felt like another lifetime as we know it had taken place before I had returned to Earth. But eventually I I made it out of hell. And I remember, um, floating near the ceiling of the emergency room. And at that time I found, um, I was staring at my husband who was uh, crying over my body sitting in a chair in the, uh, in the partition room, leaning close to me. And, you know, I looked at my body. I knew it was my body, but I also knew that the real me wasn't attached to that body. And I honestly didn't think there was any possible way that I could shove myself back into what i felt once felt so familiar to me, you know, now I had identified it as, as foreign and I knew it, it was going to be overwhelming and painful. And I, I just, I looked at that body and I thought, it's not me. And I remember begging God one more time, don't don't make me go back into that body, you know? And those thoughts had barely formed in my head when I, I was stuck to the ceiling by what felt like a giant magnet. And I moved helplessly across the ceiling over the top of the curtain partition in the emergency room that separated the emergency bays, and I was planted on my butt in a gurney in the room next to me that no one was in. And at that time, three um, elderly nurses, they appeared in front of me together, and they had scrubs on, but they had this light coming from around each one of them. They didn't have wings, but I knew they were angels. And one of them said, be quiet and listen. You're going to go back into your body. You've received your assignment. It's your earthly mission. You work for God now. Remember? And then the second one told me, remember your gifts. And then the third one said, child, your uniqueness is your value. Your value is your contribution here on this earthly journey. I know at that point, Lee, there's no negotiating. Um, I didn't have a choice. And as soon as they got done telling me that, I had to re-enter my body. I, I felt that giant magnet. It stuck me back onto the ceiling, and the three angels disappeared beneath me. I slid back over the curtain into the room with my husband, and I saw my body as I looked down at myself one more time. Instantly, I was shoved back into that limp body. It was like a hand in a glove, only the glove was way too small this time being put mm-hmm. on. And, um, you know, I my body felt heavy and confining. I was exhausted. My chest hurt along with the rest of me. Um, It was an enormous letdown. When I woke up, pain was everywhere. Um, My body felt heavy and foreign. And I tried to speak to tell my husband where I had been, but I didn't have a voice. And here I was. I needed to tell him where I had been and what had happened to me, but nothing would come out. Um, And so at that point... The doctors had decided to uh, check me in, you know, to the hospital overnight to be evaluated and, and assess my condition and make sure that I was stable.
0: Now, when yeah. you ha- finally had the opportunity to tell your doctor what happened, uh, tell tell the audience what kind of reaction okay. he had uh, to that.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, let's just say it was um, the last reaction that one would expect from the care that you would, you know, be getting from your physician. Um, when I awoke in my room that morning, I was alone and the attending physician had to come on to do his rounds and assessments. And he said, good morning, Mrs. McKenzie. How are you feeling this morning? And all of a sudden, I really felt like I was going to throw up. I, I had no control. I could feel it. It started in my stomach and it just came right out of me. And it, it was my voice. And with conviction, I I found myself saying to the doctor, 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 I've just been to heaven. I've just been to heaven. I've been with God. I've been there for a lifetime. I have to tell you what happened to me. And as soon as I said that, out of my voice, I looked at him, and he was completely white and lost all the color in his face. And he instantly stopped what he was doing. The assessment stopped. He looked at me, dismissed me, and walked out of the room. And I, I couldn't believe it. I absolutely cannot believe what had just happened. Um, mm. That he he didn't acknowledge me whatsoever, and I I was, I was so upset. And um, immediately um, a nurse came in, and she came and sat by my bed, and she said, Shh, "Be quiet, child. I just heard what you said to the doctor, and I need you to be quiet and listen to me now." I've worked for that doctor for seven years and I am so sorry that the first person that you told of where you've just been was an atheist. But you need to be quiet and you will know when it's okay to tell your story. And, you know, it was a really, a really hard point in my journey because the series of events that followed that conversation and how I was treated by the doctor it was something that I have been familiar with, you know, all too well going through nursing school. It was uh, set me back in remembering years prior and, you know, doing my um, psychiatric rotation as a nursing student and being taught, you know, by my instructor at the time that when the patients would talk about their experiences with God in heaven, not to be disrespectful, but not to listen, because it really didn't happen. They were hallucinating, and I was taught to, you know, the treatment was medicating, not listening, and having empathy, um, and trying to really understand this incredible phenomena, and I knew, you know, back then it was wrong. I, 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 I had the understanding that there was more. And this could happen. And yes, there were times that there was a need for medication, but I also knew there were times that there was a need to listen because there were learning opportunities every time, you know, we would listen. And what happened for me was I had hid, I had hid from everyone that I had been taking that fentanyl and that diet pill for nine years. It was my dirty little secret. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and because I did that, when I tried desperately to plead with the doctor who had come back in, you know, hours later with my husband saying, um, you know, we're going to check you in. You have late onset of bipolar disorder symptoms, even though I had no family history of mental illness. And technically, I was too old to have a sudden onset of bipolar disorder. Um, I knew that the fentenormine, the side effects of it for, you know, taking it for such a long time were, in fact, symptoms of bipolar Mm. disorder. And um, so, but because, you know, I had said I was in heaven with God, that doctor had a split moment where he had an opportunity to have a learning opportunity from this, but he Mm -hmm. let his personal um, beliefs and feelings dictate my plan of care and my plan of care, his recommendation was to check me into the psychiatric board, um, and it was against my will um, to get me help that I needed, which was medicated. Actually, Lee, at one point, I was on 11 different medications against my will. I should have been able to detox, um, but instead, because of what I had said, he was sure that detox wasn't what I needed. I needed to stable myself so I would quit having hallucinations. Because I had just been to heaven, you know. And um, so I, as a result, I was away from my children. They were just little at that time for a month of my family and on the sideboard. And that was the real hell on earth <laughs> to go through. But it was, you know, an incredible, it was an incredible opportunity for me to um, really learn and understand that what I, you know, what I had learned so many years before and experiencing that in nursing school um, was really coming full circle. Here I was on the other end and being a patient. And all of these things and these events that happened to me, I understood and appreciated. It was a gift for me. I knew now how I could really, when I got healthy, um, go on and help other people, you know, to hopefully um, raise awareness and prevent this from happening because the reality is this phenomenon the near death experience and life when we cross over yes it, it is is it, it is real and so you know it set me out on this on this journey of determination to um do everything i could to educate people and help them advocate for themselves
0: now one of the things that you've done is uh written a book which i guess is yes. titled Planet Heaven. It's not yes. available quite yet, but perhaps in the Great. last minute we have here, you could tell folks about that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that opportunity. I'm I'm so excited and blessed to finally be able to um, have my book coming out, Planet Heaven, and it will be coming out this fall. And I have been writing this book for 11 and a half years. Um, and it's just, it was one of those things that was very important to God that with my gift of speaking um, that it was the word was written down all of the lessons all of the events like I said you know um, that I that happened in my life that led up to me dying and then events 24 hours before my death and um, you know listening to God's voice as opposed to man's voice which had, which had caused me to die um, all of the things that I learned in heaven and then the edge of hell, coming mm-hmm. back, going to the psych ward and all the lessons I learned then. And then, on top of that, all of the lessons that I learned, what it took to become an advocate for my body, mind, and spirit for myself and to love myself and really learn that by loving yourself, you have to learn to identify and understand and grow those gifts that we are yes. all given.
0: And those Erica. I'm sorry I'm I'm afraid we're out of time for today.
1: Oh, Lee, thank I want, you so much.
0: I want well, I want to thank you especially for uh, for sharing such an amazingly detailed and intense uh, NDE with our audience. And um I would encourage them to go to your website which is uh, com, and to find out more. Um perhaps uh more of our listening audience will uh, sign up to be out at the uh INS, um conference where you'll Absolutely. be and and I'll be <laughs> uh Absolutely. August twenty eighth. It. It'll be great. Uh August twenty eighth to the thirty first at at um and you can find more information about it at our IANS website, I-A-N-D-S dot O R G. Thanks so much, Erica. Lovely talking to you, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out in California. And thanks to all for listening.